Hello, everyone. It's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Every Damn Day. I'm glad you are here and engage with us. We are live with this one. So uh, give us some comments out there, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And later on, when we uh, publish out to our podcasting sites, uh, SoundCloud in particular right now, uh, give us a follow and listen over there if you'd like to. And we do try to come back to comments after the show. So if you're watching a pre-recorded show, please uh, still comment. We'll come and respond. And uh, just want to uh, talk today about how cold it is, how um, I was, I did a TikTok earlier thinking about, you know, being unhoused in this weather. And there's simple things that we can do every day. You can trust the guy on the corner that if you give him a dollar, he's going to use it for something that might keep him warm or keep him fed. Uh, Don't assume some evilness or some trickery uh, with the people on the corners today or any day for that matter. If you see something you can do, throw some, you know, get some uh, hand warmers and pass them out if you, you know, don't trust in the dollar or two that you want to give. But do something to help the unhoused in the coming months because man just standing out there for a minute is uh uh, painful today so hey megan church we were just talking about you in the uh pre-show so glad to see you here so let me get to uh my guest today i have with me miss kimberly levon of thimble media how are you doing fantastic how are you jerry I am doing well. Megan said, hi, Jerry, but I bet she meant hi, Jerry and Kimberly. (laughs) So, uh, man, what did you think about that Sunshine Accelerator meeting this morning? Well, it was awesome. It was great to, excuse me, to see everyone, to share uh, what's working, what isn't working, to kind of just see where we're all at, where we're pivoting to in the new year. Uh, And to have a community of people that are not only, uh, you know, business minded, uh, similar thoughts, but like I really enjoy like the group, the mix of people. So it's fun to just talk about, you know, not business stuff too. I think, uh, you know, your strength of in branding and in marketing and all of that really showed through in the meeting today because you were talking about how to brand the culture and how to brand uh, what word were we using uh, the abundance uh, mentality over the scarcity mentality. And uh, do you want to would you articulate a little bit what you said about like culture and trying to brand within that group? Or if you want to skip that, we can. I didn't put this in the prep in the beginning. Oh, that's okay. Um, So we were talking about, for those who were not there, obviously none of you were there uh, unless you were, anyway, that didn't make sense. (laughs) Stepping backwards. So uh, we were talking about building culture, what we wanted the culture of the group, the sunshine group to be, uh, boundaries, uh, communication style, uh, likes, dislikes, all that stuff. And what I really liked about it was that everybody, it felt like, could communicate those feelings because we have a safe space. So it's not like we were taking offense to something. It wasn't taken personally. But then together as a group, we're building this space where we all know 
that first of all, we're all happy and, you know, and safe and uh, seen and heard, but then that uh, we're also supported and everybody is clear about their boundaries. So they're not being crossed and we're like respecting each other's spaces to move forward together. We got to record that. We got to write that down and put it on that presentation that I did. And I, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I was really happy with the meeting and I just want to acknowledge on air since it's so close to the meeting that you, you were a great contributor today. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so now the big question, what's your story? Oh man. So my story in a nutshell, in my new elevator pitch is I have made an empire uh, and an art form of putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> so I, as a young person, have always been naturally caffeinated and ready to just do all the things and with enthusiasm. So I did that, but I did it really clunkily because I didn't have, like you said earlier, I didn't have um, community. I didn't have a creative community as a kid. I didn't have you know, mentors, other creatives to look up to. My dad was an artist, but he'd given it up to have kids and he didn't really enjoy that, you know, having to give it up and all that stuff. So uh, it was uh, a long process of trying and failing fairly quickly and then learning to be resilient because I got a lot of no's from like galleries and applying to art school and all the things. And if I had stopped there, I wouldn't be here now. So I taught myself how to get back up and, and go at it with enthusiasm again. And I kept trying and trying and trying. And now I have identified all of the obstacles and have literally written a book to solve all of those obstacles. Uh, and now little brown kids like me and other little kid artists and so on and big kid artists uh, can benefit from my mistakes and hopefully have a lovely experience making art and selling it and interacting with it and people and all the things. You know, when I, when we first met, you were, uh, you're, what, what's that called? The press art or whatever. Oh, I was a printmaker. A printmaker. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you've come quite a long way since then, right? I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so them, did you mention Thimble Media? What's Thimble Media do? Let's talk about that for a second. And then let's talk about the other uh, company that I don't want to get the name wrong yet. <laughs> okay, sure. So Thimble Media is my, my new company that was launched last year uh, in partnership with Leap and the One and All program. So I got started. I had a good idea back with research and enthusiasm and all the things, uh, clunked through some stuff, learned a ton some more, and now have decided to pivot. So now my company is offering uh, brand strategy, brand identity uh, for creative businesses. Nice. And is that a new company though? No, it's- or, Oh, okay new in terms of like it opened last year but it's my no i'm sorry are you still talking about thimble or are you talking about oh, the yes next... okay um and we uh in the comments or not in the comments but the description of the show we have your website there and a small bio about you 
Um, so people can go there and uh, can they see the book there? Is the book published yet? No. Well, what we do have now <clears throat> is a new application process for potential clients. So we want to make sure that you are a good fit with us before we start talking all the things. So we have an application process. You apply. You tell us about you, what you're looking for. We figure out how we can help. And then we schedule a meeting to discuss what your needs are. So new stuff on the website, new products and services, a new team as well. Uh, but not uh, more things are in route and they'll be published soon. So check back daily if you if you choose uh, to see some like freebie downloads and videos and all kinds of new stuff. And then, of course, you're probably active, active on one of the social media, if not all of them, uh, how can people find you there? Uh, on Instagram, primarily at thimble.media. And then my new company uh, at The Creativepreneur, the dot creativepreneur. So it's entrepreneur without the entre, it's creativepreneur. I know it's a long-ish word, but it'll make more sense as we speak to it more right oh help me spell it again real quick because that's my problem with it is that i'm starting i remember it i can't quite pronounce it yet and i don't know how to spell it creative b-r-e-a-t-i-v-e-p-r-e-n-e-u-r i got it and creative preneur got something on entity or uh the dot creativepreneur all right let me double check that too got it but we don't know what that is yet we don't do we <laughs> uh -huh. but we're gonna come back to it yeah. um so there let, let's talk about creative premiere first and then you've got well first of all with thimble media you have something really exciting going on and we're just going to lay it out there as no other detail and let people come back and check on it later. But you've got some great, uh, let's say, pursuits in the pipeline that uh, you should be very excited about, I think. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm pretty elated. So the, the Creativepreneur is the solution to the starving artist dilemma. So when... People say graduate from art school or you decide, you know, today's the day I'm going to be a full-time working artist. There's zero roadmap. There's no like kind of pre-made solution, like start here, then do this, then do this, you know, and so on. So the Creativepreneur provides all those details, provides a roadmap, a community, coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, a, an ebook, best practices, uh, the, it's generally covers mindset, money, marketing, and mentorship. So uh, as we know, the art world is really big. There's lots of other stuff that could be covered, like licensing and legal and so on, which we do cover in the one-page documents. But in the cohort and the videos and everything that you get, we cover uh, the things that are detrimental to creatives that they don't even know are obstacles. So we've probably known each other for seven years, eight years, seven, probably seven. 
at least since the first fledge, because you were coming out there and doing some workshops and stuff like that. So at least seven years, if not, I, I don't want to say 30 years, because I know you're not that old, but uh, um, this is based on your experience of navigating and learning and succeeding and failing uh, through your kind of uh, art career too, right? Yes, yes. Everything, uh, the beginning of this started with me and like my crazy, long, awful, arduous journey through all this. And then I realized when talking to other creatives that I wasn't a unicorn. It wasn't don't only happening to me. Every other creative I talked to, even non-fine artists, had eerily similar experiences. And it made me realize that as a creative class, all of us are affected by the same things. And if I could find a solution for that, I could revolutionize the creative world and save creatives everywhere from becoming starving, sorry, starving artists. Um, I said that word, I don't know to what group I was in front of just very recently and it offended some people. I, yeah. Is it not starving? Is it? You know what? It might have been Zero, who actually, I forgot, said hello to us in the beginning. Uh, maybe maybe they will comment on it if uh, uh, they choose. Or that would be chooses. awesome. Uh, but you know what? This, this seems like a perfect lead-in to you were telling me about some scientific data, and I was like, save it for the show. Don't tell me anymore. Let's talk about that. Is this a good lead-in to that? Absolutely. So uh, if I were thinking of my uh, beginning artist self, like my newbie, I'm ready to go start being a professional self, and someone had told me that I'll most likely become a starving artist if I choose this path as a career, which did happen a billion times a day, it totally hurt. It was like a big slap in the face. Like, you know, I thought, well, do you think my art isn't good enough? Do you think that I can't do it? Do you think, you know, and I just thought all these things, but I never really said them out loud. And then going through that process, that's what happened. I, did, I didn't value the work as much as I should have. And I kept like discounting before the price even happened. And then I'd be scared to talk to people and, and get nervous and sweaty hands and walk away. Not because I was, didn't want to engage with them. I just had anxiety and lots of artists have anxiety. Lots of artists are super well known for not having the strongest, most stable mental health. And that's when it occurred to me, there had to be some kind of link there. There had to be some kind of scientific proof that showed why that happens. And I found that there is. So uh, creatives have a propensity to have uh, depression and schizophrenia in themselves or in their family history. So uh, if they have that happening, they have a, a really high chance of having like Einstein level creativity. On the flip side, a person who has just is diagnosed with schizophrenia and or depression, uh, they could have high levels of creativity, but it's not guaranteed. So what causes that is trauma. So if trauma happens to a human before they learn language, they're forced to speak about that trauma in a creative way because they haven't developed language yet. If it happens after the developed language has occurred and it, it could, the trauma could shorten that out in the human brain, thus 
making that adult uh, speak to that trauma again in a creative way, but it's a fine line. So the trauma could either create insane creativity or mental health issues. They're not mutually exclusive. So if you have mental health issues, you're not guaranteed to be creative and vice versa, but they do connect. And so creatives may present with mental health issues like anxiety and so on, but in fact, they actually don't have them. It's a symptom of their raging creativity. This, uh, so where'd you find this research? Was it like, uh, like how'd you find that? And is it so, something you can share with us later? Like I could put some links out or something? Absolutely. So I would love I, to read this. I can't wait to share it. It's um, so the idea began with a suggestion to read the book, The Body Keeps Score. And it references how trauma affects the physical body and where the physical body stores that trauma. I had been introduced to the book, but I hadn't read it and I still have not read it. But when I was speaking to a colleague about her concern for my new course and how it may inspire or uncover hidden traumas within the artist, and if that happens, where they would go if they were experiencing that in my presence, I said, well, we should have a therapist or a counselor or both to be there to support them because I know through my journey, I've uncovered those things as well. And that's when we realized that is another common thread. And when doing research on psychology today, Forbes, some other places I have links and I will share them. That's when I found this connection and the other researchers have been researching it for not, and for a very long time. It's just that their findings aren't prevalent because as a society, we don't really value creativity because it's not being taught in school. The starving artist myth is prevalent. People aren't encouraging their children to become artists. They're, they're wanting them to become doctors and lawyers. And that makes sense. But if they knew they could make just as much money and have the same amount of happiness and money by becoming a creative, wouldn't their parents and everybody themselves go that route? But it would be better if we had a system, which is what I'm providing now, which is also groundbreaking the first of its kind on the globe. So let's play a game for a second. Art is prevalent. Art is everywhere. Is there anything in the frame of what we are talking, of us talking right now, that is not art? So obviously, there's a painting right there. It's art. There's art behind me. Whoops, that way. That, that's art. That's art, too. Uh, that hat was designed by somebody. Yeah. My that, what's that thing called? The radiator behind you? Yes. Yeah. It's got a certain style. It's got a certain, I mean, it's got to be functional, but they didn't just put, you know, the ugliest pipes ever. It's painted. It's whatever. Right. Yeah. The black wall behind me or the musical instrument. The black wall is part of a more, a bigger kind of art thing that's happening at the stage of the fledge. Um do you think that because art is absolutely everywhere and people don't always realize that, that it's become expected, it's become, uh, it is the landscape, it is the, the, the mantra, if you will, um, that is just everywhere and maybe that's the devaluing, it feels diluted or something? 
And I've only thought of this just this very moment. So I don't know what I'm talking about at all. But what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree because it's like, you know, you as a human just living life, doing what you do, you expect to walk into a building when you're doing banking. You expect to have a, g a gym, to have a building and equipment and stuff. But every single thing we put our hands on, on it, on more than a regular basis was designed by us for us. So if we were living in nature, that'd be a different story, but like buildings, our architecture is creative, fine art that designs the architecture, creative music that you listen to in your car, you make it if you're a musician, whatever creative, the music, the headphones you're wearing is so you can listen to that music. Like it's, it is expected. It is like, so expected that it's like, well, why would I pay for it? It almost feels like, why would I pay for it now? I think it's there. It's always going to be there. Or like, it's so much fun. Why are you going to, why am I going to pay you to have fun? Like there are so, it, you could break it down so many ways, but I totally agree. So how do we correct that problem is now the question. I, uh, uh, this is evolving as we're talking. So, but I, I'm thinking, you know, NFTs, that we might want to take a little tangent on yes. and the metaverse. How can you, what if we designed a metaverse that had no art, which I don't know what that means. Cause it might just be a black space, right? It might just, you can't see anything. And then each of the pieces that had to come back to build this new world was an NFT representing some art. And would that appreciate the value of the art? Maybe that's what's happening in the NFT space. And now we can build these studios or we can build these buildings or these gyms or these outdoor, uh, uh, what do I want to call it? The space making. Uh, we build it from scratch. And what does the economy of art look like in that environment? And that's a huge tangent. And you might not want to talk about it. And you can say, I got something better, Jerry. No, no, no. You were painting a picture in my head. And when I hear good ideas, that's normally what happens. So it was like, it was building itself in my mind as you were speaking. So I was instantly thought of Minecraft, just like the three dimensionalness of it all. And like how cool the different perspectives would be if you just had this limbo looking space. It was just black, nothing. And it was like really scary or white, you know, like one of the other, one of the other. And then you know, you decide ahead of time what of all the art stuff is most important. And then you can make a little outline. And then from the outline, you're like, here's all the buildings. Here's all the, you know, the art supplies. Here's, here's all the museums, whatever. And then you see it and you're just like, oh my God, like, this is, this is huge. Like this it takes up a massive part of my life, my daily life. And now I totally appreciate it more because now seeing it, with my life without it, it's like, that would be awful. Maybe that's it. Maybe we literally just figured that out on camera. Maybe we need to create a game where you build your art world and you realize that it's, at the end of the game, the transformation is that you realize that everything is art. And then, well, that would be creating a lot of woke people. And I, I hear there's a large subsect of humans who don't enjoy being woke. <laughs> Well, they can stay asleep. <laughs> uh, let's let's take that NFT tangent a little bit. What are your thoughts? And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give any input here because I have a whole 
different story, I'm sure. So I, I see the value. I'm seeing the growth and the interest and like the trend and all the things. I see a need to learn about it and really honestly understand it and a need to engage with it and start to doing all those things. And since it's so new and it's being built and all the things to get in at that level to then be part of that building process to then also help people and like guide them through it because you can't lead someone you've never been yourself. Mm -hmm. So to do that myself with other people I trust and then, and then doing it like, because I've engaged with clients for NFTs. I've spoken to creatives about how to make that all work. And a good friend of mine is uh, the creative director for Gary V and all of his NFT, everything. So I have solid, awesome resources to learn it. I'm just, the it factor is not landing in my brain. And I know if it's not landed with me, it's probably the same feelings for a lot of other people. So there's a big need for somebody who can explain it in a concise, simple manner for everyone. And then, so we can all kind of take it and go do something with it. Yeah. I, uh, well, first real quick on Gary V. I think he's doing a very good job of showing people what the real value of the nft is because it's not the screenshot of the art or whatever that everyone calls it and i'm not going to go too far in it um but i like what he's done because he's unlocking the future access to him and to his his uh conference and to his books and things like that if you own an nft it's really a key it's not a piece of art because everything's art already right. you can't escape the art happens to have a piece of art, but it's really the key and the access that it gives. He's done a great job. Would you say then the art is like a visual symbol of the key? Like when you think of a key, you think of a key shape. Mm -hmm. So when you think of that kind of package, whatever package you're selling with whatever NFT, you're thinking that the da the dapper dog that, right? He's... Yeah. The he, if you get him, you get all this stuff, and if you get the unicorn, you get all this stuff. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? It, it might be, be a, it might be a ring of keys, but yeah, it's the the icon on your desktop that you click on to open up access to the program. Look at it now. That's okay. available. But anyways, every Thursday, twelve to two, we have our crypto ecosystem, and we've got our own NFT projects. We've got our own farm out on OpenSea. We'd be happy. It's so very easy to get started in this. I'd be happy to show you and help you kind of think about how to add that to your uh, uh, creativepreneur uh, kind of roadmap. If you want to go to the NFT, here's what you have to do. And from a marketing perspective, it's it's a lot about marketing. And it's a lot like uh, uh, crowdsourcing, it's crowdfunding. So, you, you know, you see these big, huge, uh, uh, what's that, uh, startup funding, Kickstarter. Okay. You see these big, huge Kickstarters, $1.7 million raised, $20 million raised. Those are the hit in the lotteries, the, just like in the NFT space. And you really have to bring the crowd first and then offer the offering, whether it's an NFT or contribute to your Kickstarter, you got to build that community first. And I think a lot of people miss that. They think it's the lotto and they're just going to put them out there and make a hundred thousand dollars. It's a lot of work to make that happen. Yeah. And it's good to know that too, because 
um, I feel like as people are creating their communities, they're not doing it in the right way. And what I mean by that is that they're doing it like letting Facebook just have the listing and they're not collecting phone numbers or emails or URLs. They're doing it on Instagram. They're doing it on TikTok, wherever. Uh, but they don't have their own database that they can control. So if any of those go down again, and they will, that they can control that and bring their following to the NFT world or whatever. So yeah. I like this train of thought and how it's all connecting and how, thank you, because it finally makes sense for the first time. Well, let's keep talking about that. And let's, we got to get back to you though. And I'm sorry about that uh, or that tangent, but I warned you that we go on tangents. Uh, as we were wrapping up in the next couple minutes here, what, what have we forgot to talk about? What do you really want to say out there, um, say to people out there? I want to say just generally to everyone, people, the pandemic is still happening and it's still affecting people. It's affecting, you know, supply chain and food and hey, you have to stay indoors and all the things. So just please don't listen to me rattle off all of these issues. Just be nice. Be nice to other people. Be nice to yourself. Start with yourself. And if you can't, you know, get like, just practice. Be Practice being nice to yourself because when you say something mean out loud, it's a reflection of your internal dialogue. And I bet the last thing you want to do is put a big neon sign above your head that says, I have insecurity issues. So just be cool, okay? Be nice. Be nice to other people and yourself, please. If not for me, for you, please. Thank you. Awesome. We've never ended the show better. Thank you so very much, Kimberly. And we've got some links out there in the bio. You can get to the website and all of that. And check out the work that Kimberly Levon is doing. I think you will be uh, uh, very uh, happy with it. So thanks again. And I will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Every Damn Day.